You are listening to a Big MX Radio podcast, brought to you by Fly Racing, presented by W Wheels, X-Brand Goggles, Tech One Designs, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Transcanda Motorsports, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Westside Honda, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Motocross and Supercross news from around the globe. We're not experts, but we've got a microphone. Check us out on the web at www.bigmxradio.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Gebhardt. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, W Wheels, and X Brand Goggles. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, but with me on the line, we've got the shoemaker, none other than Brock Shoemaker. He's out of California and absolutely no shoemaker whatsoever. He happens to be a shoemaker, but he's definitely not one on the motorcycle. Brock, how's it going? Going good. How about yourself? Hey, not too bad, man. It's uh, it's a brisk minus 32 degrees outside uh, here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, but the sun is shining and uh, I've got a Supercross superstar uh, on the line, so things are looking good. That's that's pretty funny. My stepmom is from Winnipeg. Really? No doubt. That's, in, that's incredible. Um, yeah. Funny how we can make those connections. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more uh, after uh, the conversation. That's awesome, though. Um, first of all, how you keep it up? I understand that you've had a bit of a, a crash in the uh, in the last couple of, uh, I guess, week or so, and um, you're 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 on the mend. So, uh, what happened to you? And uh, yeah, I, you know what? First of all, uh, who is Brock Shoemaker? How old are you? Where are you from? Uh, I actually just turned. Uh 22 last month and then uh from santa clarita california excellent uh so you've been how long you've been racing uh professionally or or driving towards uh getting uh getting into a a supercross main event uh well i was supposed to turn uh pro when uh i was about to turn 18 and then my dad ended up getting diagnosed with cancer at that time and uh, I was going to go do my pro debut in Canada for the Canadian Nationals, but the whole cancer thing kind of threw me for a loop, and I ended up taking a little bit of a break from racing and just, you know, kind of wasn't really expecting that and messed with my head a lot. And then... Um, oh, puts things in perspective for sure. Yeah, and then long story short, he ended up passing away from it. and uh, But I, I ended up coming back to... Uh, doing that I think when I was I turned pro when I was 19 mm-hmm. and then um, was just racing all the amateur stuff and everything and then did my first supercross in 2013 at A1 right on uh, so that, that was your very first supercross uh, would be two full years uh, ago already um, Excellent, and uh, one of the only guys uh, as um, to to go to Loretta Lynn's, and even though it was in the C class, go one for one uh, in the the championships that you competed in at Loretta Lynn's. You uh, you won the very first one that you went to back in two thousand and eight. Yep, yep. That was, that was uh, quite that was the performance. Actually, yeah, it was actually a close one. Um, I, I really wasn't even going to go to Loretta's that year either because. Um, 
I had I had some injuries and I was actually riding Superman coming up to uh, the area qualifiers and I just so happened to be getting kind of big and was kind of overriding them so I actually jumped on a 125 and uh, rode a 125 for like a month and did the qualifiers and ended up winning the qualifiers so then uh, <clears throat> we figured we would go to the race and hopped on a 250F like a month or two before Loretta's and I went to the race and uh won the first two motos and then um all my my starts every moto just sucked I couldn't have gotten oh, wow. probably any worse starts but I ended up working my way up and then uh my last moto I was actually leading it and I crashed in the 10 commandments and uh actually dropped back to eight so with like five minutes left and I had to get third to win the title and I actually passed in the third on the last lap. No way. Yeah, actually, uh, quite a few. And like three, actually four California guys, five California guys in the top 10. Uh, you guys were all over that class. Uh, and uh, you were Austin. Is it uh, Tessator? Yeah, Austin was the guy I had to beat. He went yeah. uh Three, he went three, two, one, and I went one, one, three. So I beat him by a point. One point difference. Uh, some it comes down to that in motocross, a nail biter for both yourself and your families, respectively. Um, X must have been a real a, a great day for you, and uh, catapulted you into having some confidence to take that onto the pro scene. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a cool experience for sure. Excellent. Now, um, so you've been uh, racing at uh, for the the West Coast 250 Series, Monster Energy Supercross. Uh, this is be your third year of competing, and uh, right out of the box, first main, or first race of the year, you end up making the uh, the night show qualifying, uh, I believe it was 36th, and, uh, and ended up 11th place in the LCQ. Uh, what's it like uh, racing both the, the heat race, the LCQ, all that stuff uh, in the... Uh, in, in in throughout uh, a race day in Supercross, uh, it's it's cool. I mean, um, obviously, like I had a I had a little bit of a taste of it in 2013 with uh, the night shows from that year, but um, obviously racing didn't go that well that year. I ended up breaking my heel early, and then uh, I missed last year because I rebroke my heel right before a one. So this year, I almost kind of felt like I was starting over again at A1. So um, in the heat race, I had had some nerves and uh, some jitters to get out. But um, honestly, for me, I think the most stressful thing is qualifying for me. Yeah. Like, like qualifying for the night show, it's uh, it's kind of hectic. You know, you get, you get thrown out there and um, it's a new track. You got eight minutes to figure it out. And after that, you got to start throwing down lap times and uh, – you know, qualifying, everyone just kind of goes for it. So, I mean, if you don't go for a time, then you're probably not going to make it. And it's kind of one of those things where there's always always going to be sections at a track where you're not too comfortable, but you either have to do them or you don't qualify. And uh, But for me, I, I enjoy the, the night show a lot more than qualifying because, uh, you know, I'm a lot better at racing than just going out and throwing down the time. So it's easier for me to go fast when I'm trying to pass someone or chase someone. Just the hardest part is getting good starts. 
For sure. Uh, I actually do notice that a lot with some of the guys who uh, qualify further back in the uh, in, in the, t- the daytime qualifying is that a lot of them happen to be uh, better racers than they are qualifiers, if that if that makes sense. Like uh, there's a lot of guys who in traffic know how to make up positions, uh, which is what really matters in qualifying, whereas finding that extra couple of tenths uh, on these sections that are very difficult um, – is, is more of a challenge for those guys. You seem to be one of those guys that can tear through the pack. Yeah, I I, I don't know what it is. It's been a big issue of mine that uh, I've been trying to overcome this year, and I've been getting I've been getting a little better at it. Um, you know, each each weekend I was qualifying a little better, um, but at A three ended up not qualifying that great because I had a injury to my ankle on the first practice and was riding through some pain and snuck it in there but uh yeah i don't i don't know what it is it's it's just easier for me to go put times out there when i'm racing than in qualifying but also too in in the night show the tracks are so much better and so much more fine-tuned than in qualifying whereas in qualifying the tracks are pretty sketchy everything's all g'd out and super ruddy and muddy and you know obviously not the prime conditions and the fact that uh, you're in, you're, I imagine you're in the C group for the, the 250s. So you're actually. No, get, I'm, in, I'm in B. Oh, you're in the B group? Okay, never mind. Well, either way, uh, it's only an eight, like eight minute difference in terms of who is on the track. Uh, you guys are on the track early. You're the, I believe that you're the second group that goes on the track, period. And uh, yeah. there's uh, four more groups of riders that go out onto the track after you because like the 250 A's are after you, then the 450s go from A through C. So like the track is almost at its best when, when the, when the fastest riders are out there. So you guys actually kind of get a little, I, I would say you kind of get the shaft a little bit by, uh, breaking in a track for the guys to go put down the times. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. The, the privateer guys always get hosed <laughs> with, uh, qualifying whether it's you know practice or in supercross or outdoors but um i mean that's kind of the way it is you know the factory guys definitely have the advantage with uh, the bikes and the track but then again you know they they went fast enough and earned the results to get those rides and get those opportunities so sure. i mean can't can't really knock them for it they earned it Absolutely. Uh, so your program that you're on, is that a completely um, privateer effort all your own? Are you part of a team whatsoever or like you're doing your own deal? What's going on there? Actually, uh, my deal this year is basically just something that um, I ended up just running into a guy one day where uh, we kind of became friends. And long story short, he turned out to be a friend of my dad's back in the day. And my dad helped him get a business going. And uh, it's a big plumbing company he has now. And his business is doing well. And he's booming and offered to help me out this season. And, um, you know, at first I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to race because I had no help. And uh, I didn't even have bikes for a while. And then I just kind of put a deal together with this guy, and um you know he he funded a good majority of my program and then obviously all my other sponsors who hopped on and helped out and just kind of something i put together myself with this pete guy and it just so happened to work out and just kind of went from there and that's uh is that the pl plumbing yeah the pnl plumbing that's that's pete 
That's P&L Plumbing. For all those who are listening in Cal- Southern California, check out those guys, uh, P&L Plumbing, uh, for any uh, plumbing needs you you may have. Uh, definitely support Brock's sponsors. Make it known that uh, you're, you're you're supporting that business because of uh, of Brock so that uh, you can see some value in, in helping you out. And that's an excellent way for you to get to the races, man. I'm glad to hear that you've received the support necessary to get you uh, to the races and, and make sure that your dreams are coming true and that you're making taking full advantage of the skills that you have man like honestly uh a lot of people would would love to be able to go as fast as you do on a bike and uh to be to to waste those talents is uh is a crime i i I feel so uh it's good to see that you're out there uh as far as bike maintenance goes uh, you said you, you didn't even have bikes uh like for a little while there uh do you do all the bike maintenance yourself or who does your motors suspension what have you um, as far as bike maintenance goes, uh, up until it was, up until right after Oakland, I was basically doing it all on my own, working on my practice bike, working on my race bike, prepping the bikes during the week myself, and then, uh, you know, going to the practice tracks myself and doing all that. And then, uh, after Oakland, this guy, Justin, he, um, he runs his own mechanic shop deal where it's uh it's actually called Moto Whips. He has a big Instagram about it and just basically he builds a lot of replica bikes and, you know, just random bike builds and his bikes are Yeah, I got the dolphin rad. bike and that Mugen replica. Yeah, yeah, he builds some pretty rad stuff and he was helping out a guy for the first couple rounds and he ended up getting hurt and then uh at Anaheim 3, he ended up approaching me, asking if I needed help, and it just kind of went from there to where after Oakland, he jumped on board and started wrenching for me, and that was a huge lifesaver because, you know, just not having to work, worry about the bikes at all is a big burden off my shoulders itself. So, yeah, ever since Oakland, he's been taking care of it and uh, couldn't be more stoked. The guy's best mechanic I've ever ever worked with, hands down, and uh, I've never felt more confident that my bikes are good to go than when he started working on them. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, Justin training under the, the great Chad Watts, uh, his, his father, great friends with Chad Watts, who, uh, obviously worked for Ricky Carmichael back in the day. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, honestly, uh, the, the Moto Whips guys, uh, they've definitely uh, learned a lot from Chad and are putting that to practice now in Southern California, uh, making it happen. So that's excellent. Um, uh, good to see. And actually I did when I was in Anaheim too, uh, I did end up uh, seeing their display out there. Anyone who wants to go check out those guys out during a West Supercross round, uh, those they got a really cool uh, Mugen replica 125CR, as well as that uh, Dolphins replica bike, and the uh, and this they've got a, a pretty cool looking Yamaha as well. Um, obviously, uh, being like the the struggle is real for the for the for the the privateers in Supercross. What would you say is your greatest challenge that you face as a privateer? Uh, I think the biggest challenge of being a privateer is honestly probably just the funding and getting the equipment that you need. Because I mean, it's it's I mean it's not easy, but it's easier for anyone to just get a bike, you know put a decent motor together, put some decent suspension together and go race. But I mean, you're not really going to be able to compete with that because you need to get the best equipment you can possibly get. So 
you need to have a fast motor that can get you off the line because you're never going to do anything if you don't get good starts. You know, you need top-of-the-line suspension because, I mean, Supercross is gnarly. I mean, you, you guys watch it on TV. It's it's twice as gnarly being down there on the track. And uh, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I walked track uh, at uh, Anaheim 2, uh, the... The tra- privateer journey guys were were nice enough to let me walk track with Adam Entiknap, and uh, man, that 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 like there's that one triple that came out of that corner, uh, like it was like basically right out of the corner. Uh, yeah, but it kind of that thing was like all you should all she's got on a 250f. I'm standing on the lip, and the 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 landing looks like it's almost 80 feet away. Yeah, it was. That was definitely one of the bigger triples of the rounds for sure. It, uh, in practice, it was even tough because it was it was obviously slimy for the first practice. So, actually, in the first B practice on Alpha, I think I only jumped it like one time just because it was so slippery. And then, obviously, yeah. by the time first time practice came around, it broke in better and it was good. But yeah, I I was coming out of the turn, second gear, seat bouncing at everything I had to clear it, and uh, that was a big one for sure. No kidding! Amazing that you guys are able to do that thing in second gear. Uh, I got to imagine your your bikes are probably uh, geared up a, a notch, though. Um, as far as training goes, uh, what are the goals that you have uh, when you're training to get yourself in the physical condition to be a top flight Supercross racer? And uh, what are some of the exercises that you're doing on a regular basis to make sure that you maintain? Obviously, right now you're 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 down and and uh, and on the mend, but uh, when you had a full bill of health. Uh, what uh, what do you do? Well, when I'm all 100% and ready to go, which lately has been kind of rare, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mainly just do a lot of cycling, and then uh, I have some gym stuff at home that I do for uh, some upper body and core stuff, but mainly for me, my biggest issue is just uh, a lot of seat time. Uh, a big problem of mine I've suffered from was arm pump, and then... Uh, so coming up to Supercross, is, it was kind of tough because I was trying to ride as much as I could during the week, but also, too, I had to work to pay the bills. And um, it was probably like two months before A1, I, I dropped working and just started riding full-time. And uh, that's that's mainly my biggest thing that I do is uh, off the bike, I'm already in pretty good shape to where I feel strong and uh, I feel good just I always try to get my riding time up because, I mean, there's nothing like seat time and nothing like yeah, trying to oh, get totally. my pump better. That's actually uh, what James Stewart used to do a lot for uh, for practicing on, or for training, honestly. Uh, like... He like he would obviously do some some weight training, some some cardio training on the on the bike and stuff like that. But he he he's been remarked as saying like nothing replaces riding. Nothing trains the mo- the muscles that you need to ride like riding. So yeah. he would just go through bikes and and tankfuls and I like even Ricky Carmichael back in the day. Uh, Chad Watts remarked that he he a practice bike would last him four weeks. Yeah. For every every month he'd have a brand new bike because the thing was just worn out. You do that many motos on a bike, you'll get fit and you'll be fast. So uh great yeah. to see. Uh as far as uh diet goes, uh we all we all we're all trying to uh stay slim these days, but you guys are at the nth degrees trying to stay as light as possible. Uh what are the types of things that you are eating and uh what is it that you can't eat anymore that you used to or maybe something that you would like to but you can't? Uh, 
for for me, a lot of my diet consists of uh, just because my girlfriend and myself, our favorite food is sushi, so we go to sushi quite a bit, and uh, it's actually probably pretty bad because we blow a lot of money on that. But um, mainly for me, just eating a lot of sushi, and then uh, we cook chicken a lot at home and make pasta and you know, kind of try to stay on that whole program. And, um, I mean, definitely you miss fast food and sodas and all that other stuff, but it's part of the game, you know, try, especially on a light spike, you obviously want to try to keep some weight off. And, uh, lucky for me, I'm naturally just kind of a, a smaller guy, but, you know, obviously just trying to eat healthy is a struggle on its own because, not everyone else in the house can eat whatever they want, and I'm trying to <laughs> trying to stay on the healthy program myself. It, it's a struggle sometimes. Absolute, uh, it's difficult, but uh, worth it in the end. Uh, who do you ride with during the week, and uh, where do you usually go to ride? Uh, I notice you're kind of out by, well, not super close, but you're kind of San Bernardino area. So, where where are you doing some riding? Uh, I'm actually like an hour and a half away from San Bernardino. I actually live, Okay, then never mind. <laughs> yeah, I actually live, uh, if you know where it is, right by Magic Mountain in Santa Clarita. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I live five minutes from there, but um, mainly this whole off-season I've been riding at Castillo Ranch a lot. I actually, uh, I know the Entic Naps pretty well, Adam and Tyler, and I've seen they were riding up there and, you know, kind of got tagged into that one day and got to be pretty close with Jim Castillo and those guys and Jim took me in with open arms to let me use his facility day Excellent. in and day out and uh couldn't have worked out. Seems better. like a great place to ride. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh it's actually Reed's track he had built up there about three three years ago I think. And uh so yeah it's a it's a pretty good track, cool layout and um you know it's got some technical stuff on it and two uh two sets of whoops and Perfect place. You to guys ride. got some big jumps out there too. Like uh, aside from the supercross track, you guys got some legendary big gaps. Yeah, yeah. There's some sweet jumps in the hills. Some uh, some big floaters for sure. It's it's a rad place. You know, they have their outdoor track, free ride jumps, and supercross track, and they got an enduro cross track. It's it's a rad place. I couldn't couldn't be more thankful to be able to use that place day in and day out. So uh, it looks like a great facility. Um, obviously, riding with Adam Entiknap, he's a, a main event bubble guy in the 450 class. Do you use him as a bit of a, a, a bunny out in front of you? You go and chase him down for motos to try and drop your times? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he helped me out a lot this offseason, um, even especially when I first jumped back on the bike. You know, I, I hadn't ridden for a few months, so I was already a little kind of, I guess I would say, off strength-wise, because I'm into the bike, but I jumped straight into Supercross, went straight up to Castillo, and uh, he helped me a lot with whoops and stuff like that, though, kind of struggling with it first, and then once I got all that down and uh, could really start putting some motos together, it worked out cool, because, um, you know, we'd meet up there every day, and we'd do motos together, and, you know, do starts together, and take off into the first turn, and kind of rough each other up, and, you know, do, do a moto from there, and, you know, just kind of try to tag on to him and chase him down and it worked out really good you know it pushed him to you know not let me catch him or try to beat me by a certain gap and helped me by trying to catch him and close that gap so it actually worked out really well and it was cool too to do starts together and go into the first turn and you know kind of 
let each other have it because it makes it more realistic like actual supercross no joke absolutely that's uh an excellent training regimen that you guys got going on and uh, a great crew to be with uh obviously getting to do track walk with adam and hanging out with him a little bit during the day and his good friend uh uh, Mo and uh, I'm sure you you know Tyler Tyler very well. Yeah. Um, have you Mo have you gotten an opportunity? Sorry. I said yeah. Good old good old Mo Mo filthy. Mo filthy, absolutely. Uh, actually, I did a little pre race interview with them at A two. Uh, have you had an opportunity to uh, throw your hat in the ring on one of their their tracks, or do you do you ever see them uh, developing those songs? No, I haven't uh, seen them make one, but. I, uh, I've spent a lot of car rides with them in the car when I'd go stay at the Adams house to, to ride at Castillo. And, uh, every, every car ride, to say the least, is entertaining with those guys because, uh, you'll get 30 seconds into the drive and they're already putting on a, a soundtrack to start doing freestyles and start rapping to each other and pretty much just dissing each other on everyone. And, uh, they make everyone in the car, <laughs> they make everyone in the car try it too. So I'm, I'm no rapper myself, but they they make me try to see what I can do, and it's uh it's pretty entertaining. Absolutely. Well, that you know that's funny. You know, uh, uh, I I got to imagine at some point uh, during your uh, your recovery here, you've got to set some time aside to uh, brush up the skills so that you can really throw it down next time uh, they put you on the spot like that. Yeah, um, it's it's a bummer that I got hurt. I I really wanted to. Uh, use this off season or not off season but this break to work on some things and even work on a little more fitness stuff that I felt what could have been a little better and uh you know just so happened to have a dumb little crash right before San Diego and you know put me out for four to six weeks but um luckily I have what exactly happened? Like, uh, I know you, do, I, I don't see you on the entry list. Well, you're on the entry list, but you're not on the qualifying list for San Diego. This actually happened before going to the event. What exactly uh, went on and, and what kind of injuries are you dealing yeah, with? Yeah, this actually happened like a couple hours before I was supposed to leave to head down to San Diego. But um, I was just out at Milestone doing some laps. And, um, you know, I was actually out there the day before doing some suspension testing with Mike from MB1. And, uh, the Wednesday before just so happened to be so good, I decided to go back to Milestone on Thursday for a little bit. And long story short, was the last moto of the day. Just went to go out and do, you know, one more good six-lap sprint. And um, all I remember is I went out for the moto, and next thing I remember, I'm sitting on the back of my truck, my shoulders hanging down, and have a major headache. So uh, from what everyone told me, they just said um, one of the triples out there, I just you know, kind of scrubbed it and soaked it up a little too much and just tagged the landing with my back wheel and throw the endo into the berm in the next turn and went face first into it and knocked me out and separated my shoulder. So you, did you dislocate the shoulder altogether? Like I know I've, I've done my shoulders both and uh, was it completely dislocated or just separated? No, um, I don't think it dislocated. They never said it did. They just, uh, I just did a stage three separation and uh, so mm. I was just, hanging down pretty good and uh i've never done my shoulders before so when i did it initially uh when i was looking at it i figured i broke my collarbone or something just because my collarbone was sticking up so bad but uh you know it turned out to be a separation and basically said just nothing i can do besides 
just don't use it. Rest it. Yeah, just rest it like crazy. Um, honestly, if if uh, once once you get a little bit more mobility in that, uh, the only like there's a there's a pendulum exercise you can do where you uh, rest your hand on like a bed or a chair or something like that, and basically just let your arm hang and make semi like make little circles with it as your arms hanging. That's possibly the the only thing you can really do for that in in the next couple of days to weeks that where you're you'll feel more comfortable with that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I, I wish you all the best in your recovery, man. Uh, obviously, the break in the series couldn't have come at a better time for you. But obviously, you're hoping to do some work so that when you're going to come back to Santa Clara, it would be better. Yeah, actually, I think the first round back is uh, Houston. But uh, oh, that's right. But, yeah. How is Houston? Uh, how is Houston, Texas, or yeah, Houston, uh, a, a West round? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I <laughs> like kind of threw a dog bone in that one, but uh, I mean, it was cool because this year, like, I think like five or six of the rounds are all within three to four hours of my house, so it worked out pretty cool. And then you know, we look further down the list and we see we got to drive twenty-two hours to Houston. I was like, that kind of sucks <laughs> no kidding i think uh wilbur hahn is literally doing that truck that drive in the uh in the truck with big b right now uh surprised he'd, he'd take on a, a a thing like that but nevertheless uh the kid's making it happen uh it's time for the uh the big mx radio three questions to finish off our interview uh uh are you ready for yeah them? beauty uh who is the best motocross video gamer you've ever played against best motocross video gamer yeah like of all the motocross video games around that we've played as kids and stuff Uh, like that who's the best at it who's the guy you cannot beat well if we if you count the newer motocross games like the reflex and alive and supercross and stuff like that Mm -hmm. pretty much all my friends i play against kill me on those but uh the older one mx versus atv unleashed i've never once played anyone in my life who's beat me at that game (laughs) no way no one's ever beat me on that one (laughs) that's awesome man uh i used to love playing that game back at that's like 2005 2006 uh great game uh when was the last time you wrote a two-stroke oh that's a good one um Last time I wrote a two-stroke was actually probably the beginning of last year, and man, I I forgot how much fun those bikes are. I actually rode a, a Yamaha 250 two-stroke that was a buddy of mine that was pretty much brand new with a full-built motor and. Man, that bike was so fun. No joke. Yeah, I've got uh, I got a pair of uh, two-stroke Kawasaki's, both 125 and 250, and uh, uh, when they're tuned right, they just sing right, they sing properly. So, uh, like, I, I'm definitely a two-stroke guy, mainly because uh, uh, lack of funds makes you a two-stroke guy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're rad. I, my favorite bikes to this day that I've ever ridden were my 125 two-strokes I had when I used to race the schoolboy class growing awesome. up. Awesome. That's sweet, man. Those those were Hondas? Yeah, they were Hondas. Excellent. And uh who which is what's the best and worst Southern California motocross tracks? Huh. The best one <clears throat> For me, I'm going to say the best one's probably going to have to be Zaka Station. <clears throat> 
Everyone says Zaka, absolutely. Yeah, which what's funny is when I go ride Castillo, Zaka Station is probably about like four or five miles from Castillo. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. That track is that track's pretty epic. But uh, worst one—that's where they do all the commercial ads and stuff. Yeah, they do tons of commercials up there. But for me, I'd probably say the worst track for me is. Uh, I've never been a fan of Milestone's outdoor track. I, I just, for some reason, I hate their outdoor track. I think it's just not for me. I don't like it. Well, I, I, I can kind of, I can chime in on that a little bit because I've been down there twice to ride uh, on different trips. Once in 2010 and once last year. And what I find about the soil is you can't dig into it. I feel like you sit on top of the soil. You never like they never till it up so that you can build ruts or or it never feels loamy or anything like that. Like we went to uh, not Race Town, but uh, Comp Edge where I broke my back, and that that place like you could really like they'd till it deep and and get it so that you you can actually get into the soil. Whereas I feel like you stand on top everywhere uh, at, at Milestone. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Milestone. That's. That's pretty much the biggest reason why I don't like it so much is it's almost like, I mean, in the morning it's not bad because it's uh, obviously fresh and wet and you can get some traction on the top. But, like, as soon as it's already, like, you know, 11 o'clock and the track's already drying out and then they start watering, it feels like you're riding on wet concrete. And uh, it's it's just sketchy. Yeah, and like all the jumps, like it honestly feels like a really laid down supercross track where you never, or an arena cross track where you're, you're never really in the soil. You're just kind of st- skating around on top. And uh, uh, for, as a kid from up here in uh, where we have Red River Gumbo, which is basically when it gets hard, it is concrete. I'm comfortable on that stuff, but uh, if I'm going to drive 36 hours, uh, I want to be able to uh, to, to dig, dig into some, some nice soil. But uh, um Unfortunately, last trip that I went down to California, uh, I assume you're you're familiar with Com- Competitive Edge. Yeah, that track's awesome. Uh, they've got that uh, nice big quad, or I guess you could call it a bit of like almost. It's a kind of a triple up over top of the hill uh, by the yeah uh, by the. Tower? The tower, yeah. I, uh, I I went ahead and looped out my uh, KX two fifty two stroke uh, up over top of that thing and landed my tailbone uh, right on the edge of the downside of the landing. So uh, before it starts to go smoothly down, I uh, smacked my ass right there and uh, ended up folding myself like a lawn chair and uh, compressed a few vertebrae. So I'm a little shorter now, and uh, the my the drive home was rather uncomfortable, but uh, quite the story. Yeah, that's. That's definitely a pretty <laughs> crappy one, I would say. I actually compressed a vertebrae at, at Compeds before, just kind of clipped a jump wrong and ended up tagging me in the back just right. But uh, I know I know what bruising your tailbone feels like, too. I did that, and pretty much anything your butt cheeks touch down on hurts. <laughs> For sure, yeah, and uh, and thirty six hours home uh, was was a lot of uh, was was a lot of butt cheeks hurt, but uh, you know what, Brock, it's been a pleasure. Uh, stolen a, a better part of a half hour of your time, and I really appreciate uh, you taking some time today to talk to the Big MX Radio Show. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we wish you the best of luck in your recovery and uh, the remaining rounds of the Supercross Series. Uh, any final thoughts, or if you'd like to thank some sponsors. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, 
Uh, yeah, obviously just uh, all my sponsors who helped me out this year. Obviously Pete from uh, P&L Plumbing and um, my this other guy, Pasha, who helped me out with the bike and all my my other sponsors, One Industries, my Dr. Terry for doing all my physical therapy, Bell, Forma, Rad, my mechanic Justin, um, my girlfriend for everything she does, and you know all my other sponsors that I forgot. Um, you know, anyone who helps me out, I appreciate it greatly because you know obviously without them, I wouldn't be racing and uh, be having the things that I have. Excellent. I appreciate you uh, giving those guys some love. I appreciate you giving some some time today uh, on uh, during a, maybe a not so busy day, but uh, glad we were able to talk and and chat about moto and uh, just uh, and just get my listeners more in touch with uh, with your program and who you are and uh, give them someone to cheer for. Uh, so. Um, like I said, thanks for so much for having us on. Anyone who, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you knew how to find it. Uh, but uh, this will be available on iTunes uh, later on today, if not tomorrow morning at the very latest. Uh, and uh, as always, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, bud. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.